0: Go rongo ki te tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing nga te hooker force Ko papa relevant, ko a out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko a paramount Nga ko nga whakapiri mai ki te Ko papa tino whakahirahira Whakarongo pi karikari mai Hare are mai o ta ringa Hare hare mai we gotta Gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kani kani move that body Kani kani move that body
1: Eng ngā wāhine, e ngā tāne, huri huri noa i te ika a māui tikitiki a taranga whakawhiti i te o raukawa ki te waipaunamu, ka hoki ki te tai o pautini, ki te mōna poko a tāwhaki, ki te mōna nui a kiwa, kia mātai na ki ngā kei. Anei te mihi a taringa kia kote katoa no mai hoki mai anei ko mau kote pua heiri, e pupuru anei te Māori te pupuru
2: e te Māori
1: anei itotatau fare ite wananga te roa kitee piki bustling metropolis o Te Aute. Boom. Emihi mo se manu. He manu. See <laughs> <manu. laughs> so I picked that sound. Yeah. If it had been a staple, it would have been a bit more. Yeah, less less bass, a yeah, bit more yeah. slapping. And... <laughs> I actually suck at bombing. That's right. Yeah. I never was really into it. You know, I am just I just like jumping in the water. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> maybe he, he, maybe he it bombing ai. spots. Bombing spots. I yeah. te bombi. He tā te bombi. tika, tika, He Hoi ano, He The He 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 a uh, a uh, e wai mariana taringa i Neira rā uh, i tā māua meki i tā tātātau manuhiri i tenei rā kua hara mai ki te kōrero-rero ki te wānanga uh, e te tuahene naumi tēnā koe
3: ei tēnā kōrua, tēnā koi tau.
1: I may have you know, may to the fifty thousand listeners that are going to be, you know, waiting, waiting, anticipating, bated breath. Yes, all Hanging the smart Tairanga that's ai. going to flow out, ready to download of this. this discussion. Oh, no, Emianna, kiau te tahi nei engari tina kore ro mai koe no fear koe. I Pēnā porua, tina koto. No pressure, no
3: pressure. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, in a short podcast, um, what took me. Or oh, close to five, six years of study. Just download that in a short podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, ko no a te nei, huri te nei no rokau. Rokau kite kua karu, pati tere, ngati huri te hapu, ngati wehi wehi hoki. Uh, ko paki rā ko u kai po ngā marae. Ko nei me samen he mama zhai. Pukoro a kite mariki. Ko Anahira te matau, te kai Pūna pakeke, mm. kā rohi rohi te pūna uh, e uh, i maru Pūtāwaki. Uh, ai, it's me!
1: Ora. Te and... Um, yeah, me here na, me here na. Kaku eh, moli faka'avate ia quick kit e ko le romai kia ngai taringa. Mm-hmm. Kia ngai taringa. Um ara noa tite hunga e 200 ma'ana kit e nei po noa parou. So yeah, we we are i um, very grateful that you're you've joined us today on the show. Oh, thank you for
3: having me. I'm i equal parts excited and nervous for being invited partly because as an academic we talked to you Know, take a long time to do things, <laughs> <laughs> write hundreds of thousands of words, you know, write a whole lot of papers, and so it's been a, a nice challenge thinking about how to condense um, my into a, something that's a little bit more accessible and user friendly for our whānau. Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora mm. kia ora. Before
1: we get into um, our kauva we're gonna check it back to you. Um fakatau aki rane Hei um Mai Kitekato.
3: Mm, um hi, so I've been thinking a little bit actually. There's a couple of things that I thought I'd share. The first is actually the title of my um doctoral thesis. So my doctoral thesis was finished in two thousand and fourteen. And you know, people are like, you have got to have a catchy title, you've got want people to read it. I don't think that entices people to read no, it.
4: No, <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> it might entice them to download it, but I'm not sure if it gets them past the first, you know, couple of hundred pages. But the title of my thesis is actually um, Tū te no Henete Iwiwa.
2: Te tu and it's
3: taken from a karakia um, Te Tuku o Henete Iwiwa, which was composed for her when she was in te labour ora. and she was struggling. And the premise of that is that Physically, there were turuturu birthing support posts that were used. Um, so it was imploring um, Hine Iwiwa to, to be supported by those birthing posts. But I kind of used that as a metaphor for thinking about our mātauranga around birthing, around whakafānau, pepe.
4: Um, so that's
3: kind of one, um, e but one kind of little fakaru that I wanted to share. And then the other one, which I think is connected to it, is the korero that was given to Tane in his pursuit of finding a place to create hineahune, henyahoune. kui um, So don't forget your mother, which is effectively, you know, where he found at Kurowaka the, the soil to form henyahuone. So that for me speaks volumes A eh, of two things. So Ukopo being both a kupu for our reference to our mother or for those people that took a mothering role. And so I love that kupu because it's not like the word mum mm. in reference to an individual necessarily. Kia ora. So not to play down our the role of our mothers, but actually anyone could be your Ukoipo. Anyone could provide that sustenance that gives us that well being. Mm. But the other cool thing about it that I love is that it refers to those places that give us sustenance. Eh? So, Kia to return to your ukwaipo, go to those places that continue the role of what our mothers gave us um, to give us sustenance, whether that's physical or spiritual. So, kuinataku, those are the kind of two, two things that came to mind in terms of thinking about today and thinking about the importance of, of our kupu and our makaranga for. For birth and pregnancy,
1: particularly. Raue tu tū te tu no hine te iwa iwa. Tu tū te tu no hine te iwa iwa. Hine te iwa iwa. Try I say iwa. that five times.
3: Yes. <laughs> and it, actually, it comes from there's a, it's a line, and so I I often come back. So it's tu tū te tu no hine ro farangi. Tu tū te tu no hine te iwa iwa. So there's two there's two posts with a support post that goes across the, the middle of that. So whilst I've kind of privileged Hinete Iwewa because of her role in birthing mm. specifically, it actually refers to
1: Henerau O as She was, um, Henete uh, atua o tātou. she was seen as the tātua of all things feminine. Tō, mm. maramatanga e
3: yeah, if you take, um, which I don't, so I don't know why I'm saying this, but if you take what Elsden Best wrote, it's woman's craft.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Elsden. <laughs> so,
3: you know, I kind of take apart what Elsden Best says in terms of woman's craft. But I, um, so nga mahi raranga, so raranga and birthing are the two things that she tends to be associated with most. And I guess the other thing is that she's not the only atua associated with with birthing and pregnancy and our wahine. And, you know, Arohaigate's Smith work. Smith's work, to me, shows the uh, amazingness of the pantheon of atua that we have, mm. that we can kind of engage with. And so whilst we often see one atua as the representative for all things birthing or all things, you know, nahire with tāne mahuta, actually... Our atua, like, come right down to the minuscule. You know, each particular mumu kararehe has a particular atua. The area between high tide and low tide mark has a particular atua associated, or multiple atua associated mm. with so that's what I love about our, our Māori.
1: Kia ora. Kia ora. And I, and I just want to pick up on the fact that, um, you know, that Kuriru Yishid, um Ware Ware Kito, Ukaipo, and Ukaipo is Marai.
3: It's it's been a cool journey, actually, learning more about that kupu and learning more about Ōkuaipo as a kupu, but also knowing that that's the place that my nanny is from and and that I'm from. That was named after our call as Ancestress Mahinarangi, Mm. where she, you know, breastfed Raukawa, but also where she lay a claim forevermore for us as their descendants. That's the place we can go back to get sustenance. Mm. She
1: was cool. Just picking up on the kupu, and I'm not one to, you know. Yes. The eighty-nine kupu ka tafera fera he. Kilda. Ingariki te tirohia kupu u kai po. Kilda. Kairera no te tahi matanga. And there's some other other words like the that uses that what the imagery of te wai u and te u like kai kai wai u. Kai kai wai u. Kilda. Yeah, which is yeah. to portray somebody. Hmm. So it's like kai kai u, you know what I mean? Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, so if you're at the kaikai wayu particularly somebody that you're related to, mm-hmm. but now it's a, a common kupu for, but when you betray somebody, he kai kai Are you talking
2: about betray or portray?
1: Betray. Betray, ah, oh, kia ora. Yeah, betray and yeah. betrayal. Betrayal, Aye. Yeah. Oh, kia ora. Yeah, hoya no tera, tera.
2: Mm. But yeah, ukaipo is one of the only words I can pick where it's easy to do that and, mm. you know, me waka, wete wete te, te kupu but yeah. uh, te ukaipo is really yeah, yeah a really good word to look at and um as you said that the difference between mum and ukaipo yeah. and uh, you know we could say because we'd get it saying oh this is my urupa this is my mum but if you said this is my urupa this is my ukaipo mm-hmm. you know it gives a difference you have a different association with the kupu and and even being an urupa people might think of it as quite a morbid idea, but hoi noi, yahumai nga i you I think too the cool
3: thing with ukaipo versus, you know, and you guys have had this kōrero and taringa before around there not being kapu for mum and dad, uh-huh. you know, or for babies.
2: Um uh,
3: or is a is a loan word. But thinking about the word ukaipo, it does a couple of things, eh? It tells us how important our mothers are, so how important a process of pregnancy, you know, conception, pregnancy and birth and mothering are within te Māori. But it also tells us that that doesn't have to be um, confined to one individual. It can, yeah. be a, it can be a rupu, it can be A grandparent, it can be a father can take on a role of UK, or in my mind, from to my perspective, can Mm. take on that role of sustaining their babies at night, right? Effectively. Mm. Sustaining, providing sustenance for your children in the wee hours of those, you know, those nights. Those of us who are parents know or who have raised children know how tricky that is, <laughs> what that role entails.
2: Yeah, everything happens at that time of the night, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the fever gets its hottest, you know, everything. Ka a kai ake. Ka hi a ka hua ki, ka mi a te moinga,
1: ia waharo haoro o te ata, te pō rānei. Kia ki, wow, kei roto tata i te kaupapa. Ai. But what inspired you to pursue this particular kaupapa as a PhD kaupapa?
3: <laughs> a lot of people are confused. So I did my PhD in the geography department.
2: Yeah, sure. that's my next question.
3: <laughs> like my background is geography and environmental planning, my disciplinary background. And it's funny because I don't introduce myself as a geographer or an environmental planner anymore. I used to for a time because it was helpful, but a lot of people <laughs> go, how do you do a, a PhD thesis or research in Māori birthing, effectively, in a geography department, Mm. you know, isn't that capital cities and flags of countries and something to do with, you know, earthquakes and other things? I was really fortunate to be academically raised in a geography department that was really different from any other in the country at Waikato Uni. And in that geography department, they were really strong on Māori geographies, which was taught by Angeline Greensill, mm. and on feminist geographies, so just looking at issues around gender, um, kind of internationally, um, and then kind of bringing that back to more local stuff. So in my master's thesis, I was mentored by um, Angeline Greensill and then two amazing feminist geographers, Robin Longhurst and Linda Johnston, who kind of helped me to bring those two ways of thinking together. And my master's was looking at. I went out, I did my environmental planning degree. I was like, yeah, I'm going to change the world. And I went out and I became (laughs) an environmental planner at a district council. Killed (laughs) it. And it was like one of the most soul destroying things as a new graduate. I don't even (laughs) think I was 20. Maybe I was 20. I was like, yeah, I'm going to change the world. I've learned all about the environment. <laughs> and I got in there and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like painful. There was never any mention of Papa Tuanaku. You know, it was mm. yeah, like some 15 years ago when that happened. Mm. We've shifted a bit. Not a lot, but a bit. And so I decided to go back and do my master's. And I wanted to understand in my master's what our relationship with Papa Tuanaku is. In a contemporary way, you know, like does she inform our everyday actions? What does that look like? Um, and I decided to talk to Māori woman. And it was that piece of Mahi that led me, because my expectation was all the Wahine that I spoke to would talk about Papa as Papa Tuanaku as informing like their environmental actions.
4: Kia ora. Like
3: recycling parakuri, kimatumir But actually they all talked about her informing their role as a mother mm. and how they felt connected to her when they were hapu or more connected to her when they were hapu. So that's kind of how I processed myself into a PhD is that I wanted to know more about that. Raui. And was just fortunate. Well, no, not fortunate. Actually, Te Maori already told me that thinking about birthing and thinking about land and environment were the exactly the same thing effectively?
2: Mm. Kia ora, yeah.
3: And so I'd have heaps of people. Side note: usually, park men <laughs> who would say to me, "Oh, how can you be a geographer?" and do environmental planning, because I was working as an environmental planner still while I was doing my thesis. How can you do that and be doing birth? It's there's like the furthest things apart.
2: Yeah, chalk and cheese to a they That's
3: so not. <laughs> they're, they're, for me, exactly one and the same. te All of those things tell me that actually our ancestors were geographers, if we mm. look at it that way. Um, they were the original OG geographers when it comes down to it, so my interest in our relationship with our atua predominantly led me into my thesis. Mm.
2: Kilda. And because um, in the, the there's a term feminist geographist. What's the term again? Yeah,
3: feminist geographies. Yeah. Um and i i coined and rightly or wrongly um mana geographies. geographies.
2: Kilda. And what is a feminist geography, ge- geographer? Sorry, excuse my English, <laughs> my my academic, uh, my academic speech.
3: Well, it's been some years since I've been in the geography uh, realm, but in effect, the geography that we did at Waikato was about understanding real simple, understanding people's relationship to place. Kilda, and what place did to people's identity, and what people did to places, wow. and so there's a whole lot of like sub. Era yeah. Anna, Anna. Uh, and one of them was looking specifically at issues around gender. And so how does being a woman or having the gender of a woman impact your relationship to particular places? Kia ora. Kia ora. And, you know, again, it's something that um, Māori and Indigenous women have been saying for a long time. We have a unique relationship to place. Because of our whakapapa, because of our creation stories, um, and we have been uniquely impacted by colonisation um, and all that comes with that. A lot of wahine Māori had been saying that long before feminist geography was
1: a thing. Oi. Yeah, rawe. Rawe. He nui ngā, hou. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a PhD thesis
2: has to be a new type of information? Is that to explain to the listener? What a PhD thesis really is?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure I know what a PhD thesis really is. And I've done one, and I supervise a lot of students doing PhD theses. Effectively, what I understand it to be is that it's a contribution of new knowledge to a particular body of knowledge that already exists or doesn't exist. Um, so, for example, my thesis was a contribution of old, new knowledge mm. um, that was brought into a particular discipline that had never thought about, for example, the relationship of Maori woman to place to the earth, Kia ora. the finua. Mm. And so, while it's not necessarily new for us as Maori, that particular discipline was like so uncertain about what to do with it, and they kept saying things like, "Oh, so that's like." Yeah. Feminism yeah. Oh, that's like So when I talk about manawahine They go, oh, that's like this Or that's like this Or when we talk about, um, you know, like pūrāko, They go, oh, that's like storytelling methods Or that's like this And so it took a lot mm. I had real good individual support But the actual discipline and, and the institution Real struggled to grapple with not trying to make all my stuff or our stuff like somebody else. Yeah, comparing. <laughs> so well, let it stand in yeah. its own right. Yeah, because
2: yeah. you know, your people are trying to understand a, a perspective, and they can only marry it or compare it to what they know. Hey, eh? so then it does become habitual, and I and I bet it becomes tiresome for yourself to always answer. So is it like this? And you have to go. Well, actually, no. It's it's.
3: Real, exactly. Real simple responses go. No, it is. Manawahine, aye, it's aye. like this, like it is, it's it is. Like yep. simple. And I, I've i just recently written a chapter that's been published in a book by Māori scholars called Ngā Ki published by Ngā Māramatanga, and it's about my relationship with geography as a discipline. Uh, I think it's called Finding My Way Home, and it's mm-hmm. around ancestral geographies. And basically the, the lesson is, like a, I learned some real critical skills in the discipline that I was in but actually I've learnt more through the rangaho that I've done with our whānau on the ground um, and through our Mahinarangi project about geography than mm. I did when I was reading about geography in a you know, university system. Kia ora.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go straight to one of the quotes that I picked. Yeah, well, okay. It's not a quote, but I pulled it out of. It's a passage, but it was after e tīwi, um Naomi interviews his Wananga with wa various Wahine. One of the comments you made was, and e I'm going because i e, e i te going mm. e mohi anau, ko etahi o um, so, yeah, it says um, there was an overwhelming desire by all of the women to know more about whānau, hapū and iwi, pregnancy, birth and mothering knowledges. Yeah, metaku I know that a lot of wāhine and tāne mm-hmm. couples e kimi ana I, I etahi mātauranga e pāna ki atata tikanga. Kia ora. Ki ngā huatanga o te ao Māori. And then one of your kaituku kōrero said, you know, I would love to learn more about these practices. Are they in books? Could I read websites I could read? And and you know, like other Ahuatanga Irotoi Totata or Maori, people um are searching for this knowledge, for this Mara Matanga. te Mara Matanga. ora. Yeah, yeah. Kaifiate Mara Matanga.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean that was the overwhelming response. So out of thirty odd Wahine that I spoke to specifically, as well as all of the others that were kind of on the periphery. Of the research, the most overwhelming thing was they were hungry for more kōrero, tikanga knowledge around pregnancy and birthing, and like a lot has happened since my thesis was published in 2014. There's actually been huge movement in this space in terms of hapuwananga, in terms of um, in terms of other people doing rangaho in this space, mm. which is cool. So that's awesome. It is growing, but. A lot of it is not generic, but is tikanga that we can all pick up. And so a lot of the korero around, even around um, women, wahine and whanau, knowing the birth stories of their grandparents. So few of our wahine either had the opportunity to or were brave enough to ask their nannies about their birth stories Mm. in order to hear their nannies tell them their memories of the birth stories of, you know, the generation prior. And, you know, it largely was because we were be- taught to believe, or our nannies were at least, taught to believe that their bodies were shameful and to be looked upon as something that was unclean or all of that stuff that came with colonisation and particularly the Christian stuff. You know, and I go back to Elston Best. He When he talks about whare tangata, he references it in relation to the Bible and says it's unclean, it's the house of death, it's all of these, you know, he talks about it in such a negative way. Mm. Whereas you read the writings of our tupuna and hear the kōrero and tangata, it's the complete opposite. It's empowering, it's beautiful, it demonstrates the importance of wahine. And so when that's been kind of systematically broken down, it's no wonder our Fano weren't talking about birth. Kia ora. and weren't talking about those things as well. Then you get the policies and the hospital systems that actively tried to get rid of our tikanga. So mm. you know it was not made possible for Fano to take the finua right up until, like, my when I was born, our Fano weren't allowed to take the finua home. Kia
1: ora. that's probably why mine didn't come in. Yeah, mine
2: didn't come in. Yeah, you mentioned the notion of that quote in your tuhinga about how the grandparents or your parents or the mothers weren't talking about it and how they wouldn't tell the stories and the bravery it took. So it yeah, is really good. Uh, great minds think alike, Praone. Nō nō rā.
1: And
2: you say, I think it's overwhelming of the response from a lot of them saying they want to know more. We want to know more. Mm. Because it is, uh, and I think for couples, young couples, or people that are reactivated themselves and finding themselves through te reo and te ao Māori. Mm. And it's one of the first practices they want to do for their firstborn or their or their newborn, mm. is that they want them to have a born in a, a Māori experience or in a Māori world, and how do they do that? Yeah. And also, how do we do that within the confinement of public health and through hospitals and stuff? Ah. Yeah, there's a there's a, quite a juggle that goes on for whānau and for the public health sector in terms of their responsibilities.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the challenge for us as Fano and as mothers. So the other overwhelming thing was that whānau really want more all, more guidance, more resource and resources to support them um, in their journey of, you know, reclaiming, recreating, all of those words, mm. resisting the system. Tammia. But also the other thing that came through was a lot of the time the responsibility of doing that falls on the hapu mama.
4: Mm.
3: And it's her that that often is driving that. Yep. And when particularly if it's your first time having a baby or you're having a baby in circumstances that are a little bit more tricky, than you know not as straightforward, then that's a lot to carry. As well as just you know, the physical act of growing and birthing a baby,
4: <laughs> to have
3: to carry the responsibility of reclaiming all of all of that stuff, amazing stuff that is healing and helpful, can be a lot to shoulder, and that's why we need to think about. From my perspective is we need to think about this as a much more collective endeavor. A, that it's the role of our whānau, it's Mm. the role of our systems and our healthcare system to ensure that actually, really, the only job our mamas should be doing is growing and looking after that baby. And all of that other stuff can be, you know, bar what they want to do. Some of us, we want to do it all anyway. But, you know, the role of whānau in that, reclaiming, and that's one of my chapters, is reclaiming the role of, Collective in the birthing journey, because hey, midwifery focuses on the woman,
4: mm-hmm.
3: the wahine only. But she exists in a system of, you know, Fano hapu iwi. So how do we actually engage at that wider level, so that that responsibility is not just shouldered by who, mm. but also you know, birth, having a baby cannot be the catalyst of massive transformation for a lot of us. Um, and so a lot of the Wahini and Fano that I spoke to hadn't really had much engagement with Teo Māori prior to getting hapū. Aye. And so that can, that can sometimes be like a starting point of, or a starting point of their journey. And, you know, nine months goes by really quickly when you're just trying to dip your toes into all of that. <laughs> um, so I think part of it's about how do we actually start that all earlier with our Fano, so that they're not trying to cram in to a really short period of time, a whole lot of stuff that they think they have to know to birth a Māori baby. Uh,
4: They're
3: birthing a Māori baby, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> regardless, tika. yeah. Hey, that's our whakapapa. So how do we enable them to do that in a way where the environment reflects that, where the language that's spoken around them reflects that, where the processes that they do during pregnancy and birth reflect that? How do we enable that? And it
2: gives, it lends a... Uh, uh, a relevant perspective of the old saying, it takes a village, doesn't it? Ana. And so what does that mean in this current concept? Who has to be responsible or who should be? What are the roles of the whānau? It gives a great um, challenge to us all and creating a generational goal of hopefully having one day where, well, I'm talking about myself now, where my child or my grandchildren are able to give birth in a setting as such where the Fano has a role, not so much where the men go and wet their head you know, kororo no? They go with the head, the mothers go tend for it, and then, yeah, there's a separatism mm. throughout the whānau dynamics as in what they should be doing. Mm.
1: Yeah, and, you know, just te titiro ki te reo, and, uh, and I think we've talked about this, and, um, you know, I remember when I was a teenager and I was sort of coming up through the ranks and uh, Komato were having a bit of a side conversation about me. And they were referring, they were, they were saying, oh, tata to my Oh, yeah. Tata to my And at that age, I was like, I call in there saying that I belong, I'm there. I adopted? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so, hey, that's my mum my dad. <laughs> yeah, but it's in the real. Kia ora. Kote honunga o te reo, tefananga tanga, iloto itereo, kia tata wano, kero toito tata reo. Kia ora. Tata to my tea. He about. Uh, you know, it takes a village to bring up a rear a child. Mātua um, uh, Rautia. Mātua Rautia, oh, kia ora. Yeah, mate. Mm. Yeah, mātua Rautia. And you know, uh, a hit the mighty Moipori. Moipori, Hatena. a tēna? A child that sleeps, um, that is read by his community. Ah, yes, kia ora. Yeah, he Moipori.
2: Kia moi ora, kia ora. Yeah,
1: tamaiti Moipori. Mm. A
2: parker. A parker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ki te hungakare e tino mohana kite te kupu matua-rautia. How te matua-rautia?
1: Matua-rautia, um, matua-parents and rau-tia is pacifying rau or hundred or mini. So may you may the child have many parents. Mary,
2: many parents.
1: Matua-rautia. Mm. mm.
3: Even our kipu, you know, like even just the words hapu, mm. you know, when you're yeah. pregnant or hapu, yeah. there's some so obvious connections for us around mm. where Aye. our pregnant and birthing wahine sat within the collective. Mm. Whānau. Whānau, you know, yeah. whanau, <laughs> the whanau, the whanau pepi is, you know, it's it's literally recreating Fano with every birth, with every, you know, pregnancy.
1: Yeah. And iwi, iwi.
3: Iwi. Aye, aye, you aye. know,
1: I'm sure all of our kaumato, so you would have heard. oh, those are your bones. Those are your bones, oh, i got bones up there. Yeah, ko tō iwi tērā. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: Let's talk about Wharetangata, tui ni kōrero tia mai. Because I know there'll be a lot that are listening that aren't familiar with that term Yeah, I
3: find "faretangata" hard to speak about in English because the English kupu around our bodies don't really do justice to our Māori kupu.
4: Ko rero, ko rero.
3: So "faretangata" so is the womb space, is what I refer to it. But it's the, it's the part of our body as a wahine that effectively, is the house of humanity, which is what its literal translation is. The Mm. house of humanity, it's that place where we recreate whakapapa or have the potential to recreate whakapapa every month as a wahine. And so wharetangata was always something that our tupuna revered and wahine as wharetangata was always something that our tupuna revered. Um, and again, that's why I say that the shifts and changes over time around how our bodies were understood and referred to mm. by the health profession, by Christianity, etc., mm. etc., shifted the words that we use. And when you shift the kupu, well, I don't have to tell you to this, <laughs> you know, when you take away the kupu, you don't just take away a word, you take away a whole layer of meaning and understanding that tells us that wahine you know the the sacredness and significance of wahine the pivotal and central role of our tamariki within fano um you know all of those things so so by removing a kupu and replacing it with a uterus mm. which has no ora, no yeah. meaning beyond the physical sense mm. i guess unless you go back to the latin terms yeah you know every word has a fukapata but it doesn't for us then it, it completely shifts your worldview around yourself, your body, around other people's understanding of you. Mm. You know, and again, when we think about fare tangata, the denigration of fare tangata through interventions, through birthing inter- interventions, through abuse, all of those things. When you talk about fare tangata, the abuse of that is huge. When you think about all of the layers that happen. And there would have been huge penalties back in the day within our communities for not recognising the mana that that holds. Mm. So I think reclaiming um, our kupu, even reclaiming um, a lot of the kōrero that I read, and some of our queer who I spoke with talked about, you know, the process of birth being the same as what um, the creation, our creation stories are noting that there are lots of variations on that, but, you know, the movement from te kore to te, te marama is effectively what happens in the birthing process and the kōrero around te pō, um being likened to the birth canal, mm. that you're going through that tight space um, and then you kia to te And so understanding that actually our narratives, our mātauranga, have a physical manifestation, they actually happen physically, they're not just an interesting story, they Mm. actually have a physical implication. So if we start to think in that way, then again, it teaches us a a whole lot of things about our tīnana, but also about the importance of ourselves in a much bigger picture.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm reminded of um mo te tanga o te karanga a te wahi ni, ki te i tamariki, ai. and that, you know, that the baby, i pepe ana, i ako ana, i te whare tangata, kā rungo kui te au e a oh. uh, tō whaia. Ai, ai, ai. And kui nei tō karanga. Tō karanga to yeah, yeah. I you know, e karanga ana ki ako e ako i roto i te mama, i te ahara. Mm, mm. But, yeah, so I'm talking about the, the, the call of the mother as she's, in in pain. Oh, it is a groan from the pit of the soul. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, you it's know, so, so and that's the connection that karanga yeah. has on the marae. You know, e tō te mm. that's why do I thought the karanga? Therefore, karanga became my tane. Kilda, yeah. You know, um, oh yeah, no, he I know. Um, ko ra, ko mahi a one raho. Um, but you know, say so, yeah, te fa I was just talking about the relationship that uh, um the pepe has as. She or he is coming out into Te omarama and he is the karanga, the whale, the call of of their mother. Is mm. they come? Is coming out of the fara tangata?
2: And probably internally before before Pepe hits the canal. E yeah, yeah. Is
1: an internal karanga and In the ahuru rimoa and the ahuru rimoa. Aye, ora. Yeah. Hey, what? Hey, pay era kore mo te Aye. Yeah. Kia Maori te fa ki te e ne tika. Yeah, e mana ia e kupu.
2: Aye, aye. And as you said to the uterus, it's such a um it isolates that area. It takes out the f- whole relation. Whereas when you think about whare Tangata, there's such a correlation of metaphysical, physical, um wairua in it. But uterus is so isolated. So yeah, na o te kupu maori. Ah. Yeah, and you know, it connects us all the way back to
3: um, you know there's, there's beautiful kōrero about Papatuanuku and the separation of her and Ranginui mm. and that she felt birthing pains just the same as what, what wahine feel in that separation so they talk about the birthing pains that she would have felt and so you know we when you're deep in that pain <laughs> when you're deep doing that karanga when you are birthing your baby um, to know that it's connected to something you know much
2: bigger than ourselves but that has happened time and time again there's a there's a power in there oh yeah, um, yeah I right. mean I just want to say Tanima, if you haven't been or you've yet to experience it the sound that your partner makes it is it, honestly it just it's it's um so profound it is like I said from the pit of the soul yeah um people liken it to a cow with a low but it's yeah you just don't know you're like
1: me. I in a different case. have been I've been at four. Karere noa maua ki a fita Mariki, but I've been at four booths. More moaku um karanga te Mariki, and they were all different. Kiora. Yeah, different. E ngari kotawa aue tonu. Aye. Um, itewa e puta mai ana uh, te taimati, uh, te pepe. Mm-hmm. And it, you
3: know it's it's funny. I was ref, just reflecting on my booth, and I remember my sister had composed a karanga to for my firstborn that she was going to do when baby was coming, and she got overwhelmed with emotion Aye. probably because, and so to hear, you know, the kōrero around the, the noises that I was making, <laughs> they do come from a place you don't even know where, even sure. <laughs> like where did that come from, yeah. is, the, is the karanga to our babies, you know, it, it made, you know. For me, I'm like, yeah, actually that was the first karanga that that baby
4: Mm, should hear.
3: And that's one of the cool things I think that came through in a lot of the kōrero because I spoke to wahine prior to them having their babies and then after. Um, Mm. And so that was quite cool to see the changes that they had or the reflections that they had. And that was one of the things that my children have taught me. But that birth taught me was that a lot of stuff happens in that space that you can't design <laughs> you can't.
4: Mm.
3: And, and that our babies have a, well, you know, a mana motuhake about them in terms of Sita. how they're going to be born. Uh, hey, we think we can control that process and, and set things up and we can make it a comfortable, safe environment for that to happen. But actually, I think we underestimate the yeah, the autonomy that our babies have to be born in a particular way. Ah, when we allow that yeah. to happen, eh? When there's mm-hmm. interventions and when there's medical necessity and all of that, it's it really care. but our babies come into this world how they want to be born, Kia
2: I ora. think, a lot of time. And the ma- the amazing design of the whare tangata, just like, you can, yeah, as like you said, you can have everything in the, con- you can try and control it as much as you can, but the whare will do what the whare needs to do for po, pe, po pepe, yeah, it's a, quite amazing.
1: So Hene, um, I got another quote here. And um
3: very
1: well researched. <laughs> <laughs> Kakiku, what I've found is there is scarcity a scarcity of resources available through which Maori women can make sense of birth from a Manawahine perspective. Mm. So here he called it or afina. What is some advice? to um, some expectant mothers out there, or itai kōtiro pē, kāre anō, you know, kāre anō hapū. But I know, you know, we've, you know, we're talking about there's been a move. Mm-hmm. So and I'm thinking of my niece, who's just turned 21. Mm-hmm. She's my, uh, one of my sisters, her youngest. And she'd had a bit of a awakening, takutuahine. So when my niece came along, she wanted to fuck a te kitefendua. Ki but we didn't really know Kia ora. what to do. Kilda. So I rang my nan up. <laughs> I rang and nan up. And then and it's quite funny reading some of the or, you know, some of the things in in your Tuhingaroa is exactly Aye. like some of the Korea in there. But Nan sort of answer was to me was Komituera tikanga. Oh nee. Yeah. Come to where I took her. sort of like kare that I could that I thought I would take You know, I, was, I can't remember. I was a young teenager. I was a teenager anyway. I uh, would have been eighteen. I mean eighteen, maybe eighteen or nineteen. And um, yeah, I think she was scared that we couldn't look after the ticket. We couldn't do justice to the ticket. And I said, "Oh come on, then." Yeah, because it was it. And she said we we had ideas of bringing the Finua back. Yeah, yeah. And then and then it's just thought we kainga. Oh, yeah. So we ended up having a karakia and burying a fenua at the back of our old farm, which my sister now owns. Oh, killed her. Yeah, which is, I think is part of the reason. I don't know if maybe me, me te koe, sister. <laughs> maybe why they wanted to hold on to the funny Ah, killed her. Yeah. Where not? Where where do they look? Where do where do they go? What? Haha.
3: My first piece of advice, and it was the thing that came out from a lot of the wahine that I spoke to in this research and since and a whole lot of other research projects that I've been involved in, is, is you start talking to your whānau.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So we start with our own and you look back through your own whānau history or your whānau whakapapa and you ask questions of that. And sometimes, you know, the the answers that you find are, you know, exactly what your nanny said or, you know, we don't know or we don't practice that anymore or we weren't allowed to do that. But there might in that be snippets of things like, oh, well, we remember Nan doing something out the back. I or think You know, so there's these snippets or these kind of tiny little pieces of a, of a much bigger puzzle that we may never know all about, but that we can take where that where that exists. And I think where that doesn't exist, I mean, we're in a really fortunate time in many ways because of our access to online resources, access to other people's stories and examples through social media that we can actually ask others that are perhaps not on our whānau but are engaging in that practice. I love seeing young parents and what they're doing um, in terms of reclaiming tikanga around pregnancy and birthing. Mm. And, you know, within effectively within one generation – we have been able to reclaim the tikanga of Ki te fenua ki te effectively in one generation and that's that's the most obvious one that people go oh yeah well you know we we took the whenua and we returned it home. But you you hear people's stories about how they did that, and, you know, they're vast and varied. Some of them had no idea what to do, so froze the whenua and held on to it for a couple of years until they found somebody who could tell them. Another wahine buried it in a pot plant. Because she didn't know where. She's like, well, where do I bury it? I know it needs to go in the ground. Or in the whenua, but I don't know where. So... There's all these really interesting ways. One whānau, what did they say? They said to me, we're a no-frills whānau, and it's someone's job immediately after that baby is born to make the, I think, five or six-hour drive from the Waikato up north to put the whenua in the ground. So there's no... Visible ritual around it. It's just that's your job when that baby's born. You drive that whenua and get it in the ground as quickly as possible. Yeah, so, yeah
2: that's cool. So, Bye. yeah, yeah.
3: The diversity and you know, and other fano have big fano days where uh-huh. all of the babies born in the last six months all come home together and they do it as a you know, a big fano celebration and a fano day. So, my um, fukaro is. You know, I love the beauty of all of those mm-hmm. Different ways of doing things because mm. the Intention is the same eh? The intention is to uphold The practice of returning The whenua to Papatuanuku um, And connecting that pipi To their ukaipo mm. Or to An ukaipo and understanding You know some whanau bury their whenua In the urupa, others have a special rako that they do there Or another area so it's just it showed to me the beauty of that practice. But there are a whole lot of other ways that Fano were, you know, being uniquely Māori in their birthing experiences. Mm. So a lot of Fano used ponamu and muka to cut and tie the cord. Um, but it was not necessarily all of those obvious manifestations of tikanga mm. um, so it was things like karakia it was things like waiata it was the naming of their babies it was a huge one that came through and you know we see it again in one one or two generations the power of naming our babies Maori names and engaging with the whole process and tikanga around that I and mean, my friend Jolie's written a whole thesis about Māori names. There's a, whole, there's a whole lot of rangaho in there. So there's a whole lot of things that Fano are doing. I think that's the important part is that Fano are doing them. It's not, it doesn't have to be confined to a resource or a book to say this is what you should do. Actually, Fano are doing it. Oriori ori is the other one.
2: Kia ora. No,
3: so thinking about Oriori. Ori. And I was really purposeful in my research to say that this thesis isn't about saying what traditional birthing practices are because actually my whole argument in there is that they need to be defined by you know, a whanau, a hapu iwi, that it's not you know, having this kind of one-size-fits-all means, and a lot of women reflected on that, that they're often left feeling like they fail. Mm. Oh, Oh, should I? I had to put it in the freezer. I had to put my fino in the freezer. Oh, I'm a failure because I didn't return, you know, I didn't mm. do it in a particular way. Or, oh, well, I, we only had a plastic clamp. We didn't have moka. Oh, I feel like a failure, you know. So those ideals of having to live up to a particular standard make it, equally difficult when the access to that knowledge is really hard. Mm. If we were inundated with all of the resource and knowledge and all on this, then yeah, you would think a little bit more around upholding a particular kind of tikanga. But I think whānau are they really are doing things organically mm. with the intention, I think, to give their babies the best start. Um
1: Kui nā. ora
2: I, I wanna talk about that part of that feeling of failure because it reminds me of the time when Al first was born and you know, uh, I said, I'm gonna do a karakia, you're gonna sneeze, baby's gonna come out, ka mai te ua nuku, ah, ka tau mai te pepe, me rawatu, te tangi o taku hua. Oh man, it just went into survival, you know, it was it just happened. Just it just all went to the focus of mama and peppy and however it was gonna be done. But I remember that getting totally blasted out of the water. It's like no, nope. so it, it really, it really is something for for Maori parents. And if they have an ideal that they can only prepare, but to just um, take care of safety first. And because you know, no mai kītona o Maori. And so because it was new and foreign to her, it wasn't exactly the first thing to worry about. Yeah. So I, I feel for those ones who feel that type
1: of failure in, in that scene. But, yeah. It applies to other aspects of te Maori. Aye. You know, yeah. Right across from the back to the pipe. Kia ora. Tika. Yeah. 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 And we feel that. Yeah. And, and you know, pena anou, I runga I want to and And, I want to I want this to happen. Ai. Ko to I I
3: yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier around the collective responsibility, eh, the importance of our collective. Mm. You know, a big thing that came out, because I'm a geographer, about the place of birth, right? Kia ora. Kia ora. Is that we're limited when we're birthing in hospitals, when we're birthing in birthing centres, even though they're much better set up for whānau, when we're birthing even at home, if home's not uh, necessarily a... Uh, safe place, cultural safety, but also physical safety, then the place of birth will impact your ability to do a whole lot of those things that you may prepare for. And the people that are there. So when you're in hospital, you know, there's a whole lot of health professionals there that would have no idea about any of that stuff Mm. and could quite easily impose or, you know, undermine the tikanga or the intentions that you have. And so that's where thinking about, you know, what our, individual whānau are doing and what they want to do and trying to create a space for them to do that has to be coupled with actually changing the system mm. um, or creating a system that enables that in a much more readily Accessible way than what we have presently. As simple as having the option of having a Māori midwife just isn't a reality for most of our farm. Mm. You know, I talked to a number of midwives and I've worked with them in various situations since the research, and you know, the, the workload that's on them to have all the answers as well. <laughs> you know, to do all the tikanga as well as manage the birthing process as well as you know, etc. etc. is is huge as well. So that's where I think understanding that it's our responsibility as a whole all of us, to actually mm. support wahine um, in that process, whatever that looks like. And, you know, my big um, thing around the spaces of birth is we don't have anywhere that's akin to uh, whare kohanga.
4: Kia ora. Kia ora. Like
3: what our kuna would have had. And so a lot, of, um, a lot of us talk about home birth, like I had home births. That was, to me, was the, the better option than going to a hospital or a mm. birthing centre. That was my kind of safe space. But we didn't have the option of a whare kohanga where you can go and it's, you know, like what our tupuna may have experienced in terms of going into that sacred space mm. of birth that's
1: set up for that.
3: Kia Because home's not an option for a lot of whanau.
1: Mm. Tika, tika, kia ora. There's ways that they can go about making that space sacred for, the, for them in the right time. Nera. Yeah.
3: That's
1: what yeah. I'm getting out of this kōrero, mm. out of this wānanga.
3: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of spaces don't accommodate whānau. A lot of booting spaces, you know, when they talk about whānau, they mean to support people, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of mainstream, boot mainstream, a lot of, you know, hospitals and booting centres, when they talk about whānau spaces, they mean, oh, there's a whānau room down the end, but you've got to be quiet and you can't sing, and you can't haka, and you can't yeah. do all of this, and you can have two support people with yep. you in the room. And it's funny, eh, because one of the wahine in my research, she's she kind of pushed back, she said, you know, just because I'm hapu doesn't mean I want the whole hapu there. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm all for Fano spaces, but I also don't want everyone to feel like they can just come along and be part
2: of it. Tika, tika, yeah. <laughs>
3: Which I love. I was yeah. like, oh, you know, there's a reality to
2: that. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I don't know you kids running around. How many of us really want the whole hapu? And then even in those Fano rooms, you're sharing them with other Fano as well, eh? You know, the reality of them And I've been in a few whānau rooms And some of them are just down in the corner of the hospital When there are space with Yeah, there are space And yes. it says whānau room on them yeah. Very clinical Very, very uh, kia yeah. yeah, Yeah So, if, you know, creating spaces Whether that's in our
3: home Or whether that's iwi mm. um, Where whānau can go And they're surrounded by, you know Henete they're surrounded.
1: They have access to her karakia,
3: whether they know it or not. You know, there's a whole lot of ways that we could create spaces. Tenaki.
1: Get the up close, everybody. So I'm gonna um it's been quite holistic Aye. in giving Core uh and advice out, but I'm gonna ask you and and by the way, Erica really wanted to be here for this one. Kia ora. Um as you know, she's just had a pepe. We've had a couple of um, shows now where we've, as we've had a bit of a pepe focus, Te Reo te Mama mm. and Te Reo ite So yeah, she gives her apologies and um, yeah, she'd probably have a whole lot of other things she'd want to ask. <laughs> but what I want to ask is, how how kōrero ki a ki ngā tāne? Kia ora.
3: Actually, I was just reflecting on the fact that I'm having this conversation with two. <laughs> I was
2: too, I was going, this is pretty cool.
3: <laughs> um, so, yeah, it would have been amazing to have Erica join us and, you know, having a new mama, a mama who's gone through that relatively recently. Um, although, funny story, sideline, funny story is when I was doing my rangahau so, you know, when you're doing research, you have to put some parameters on it. And my supervisors and I talked. And so I said i will do research with first-time mothers. Right. So then that way I don't not talk into the whole world about it. So first time Māori mothers. And I went to this Hui and there was a queer there who must have been in her late 70s. And she said to she said to me, Oh, what's your ragano about? I told her, she goes, Oh, good, you can come and interview me. And I was like, well, I don't know what I said, but I remember thinking, oh man, how do I tell this queer that I, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about first-time mothers and I'm, you know, she's not in the yeah. The sample study and what do I, you know. So I don't know what I said to her. I can't remember what I said to her. But she kind of whipped her head around with this look on her face that only a queer can give. And she said, I was a first-time mother once. You can interview me. And so that, to me, really snapped me out of this idea. Mm. Again, and it comes back to what we've talked about with ukaipo, is that it's only... You know, that by limiting ourselves or limiting myself in that instance to only talking to first-time mothers, I was missing a whole piece of the story, this whole intergenerational kōrero that was coming. And so in the end, I had to change my whole research design, which is why we had wānanga. Mm. So those wānanga were open to anyone. We had tamariki there. We had um, kuia. We had one whānau that had four generations that were there. We had tāne, only two, and they spent most of their time cooking. (laughs) And the kouta doing our cooking, um, and they were very careful about the kind of contribution that they made around birthing stories. But, you know, that brings me around to the fact and, and reiterates the point that these, our births, are, they occur within whānau, right? They occur between father and a mother, regardless of what that relationship looks like, or a man and a woman, um, that the up of that child, a maraikura, a um, all of those things come into play. And so I think for our tani, it's again about reflecting on what their role is, not just to support that wahine in her birth, but to support that child in its, in its lifelong journey and understanding that the, the mother who's birthed that baby is an inherent part of that journey. Mm. You know, and I think there were tikanga that our tani had, because sometimes I think, as a tani, you can feel a little bit left out of the situation. we <laughs> are probably grateful for that. That parts of the birthing <laughs> process, but you know, like I, have had quite a few tani reflect and say, "Oh, we, you know, there was nothing we could do physically, mm. uh, be there, or you know, be a, be a po, I guess." But there's a whole lot of other things that that tani can step up to, um, and I'm not just talking about partners, I'm talking about brothers. I'm talking about fathers. So, you know, for me personally, it was the girl's dad and my dad whose job it was to take the whenua back to the marae.
4: Kia ora. So I
3: didn't have to worry about that. I just went, oh, it's going. They left, they went and did that role. And that was something special between them. I don't, you know, I don't really know what they did or what happened for that. I just know that it was taken care of for me. And so I think there are opportunities for our tani to think about. Things like composing karakia to, to support with the naming of that child, if, if that's something that, that whānau are uh, happy to do. Um, there's a whole range of things that they can support with, which I guess goes back to that point of taking the responsibility off that soul wahine who's carrying that mm, baby. Kia ora. Not doing it without her.
1: Anna. Anna. (laughs) (laughs) Not coming in and
3: going, here's the name of the baby, but actually, (laughs) and and it's the the other thing that's come through in research that I've done since this one is actually the postnatal period is as important as the pregnancy and birth. So those first um, six weeks, 12 weeks, six months post baby are as important for those wahine to have solid support systems around them and you know, so many other cultures around the world, you know, there, there are other cultures around the world where the Wahine doesn't do anything for the first 40 days Kia ora. I know. after giving birth to their baby, <laughs> apart from feeding that baby and caring for that baby. So she doesn't do washing, she doesn't. Cook any meals, everything gets brought to her, and you know, and I I'm
2: gonna make an uber eats and tell me. Too. <laughs> and,
3: and if you think about other mammals. You know, the, those babies, they, 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 there's a whole lot of stuff in McWiffrey talk around the fourth trimester that actually when our babies come out, mm. they're still dependent on us unlike other animals. Hey, eh? So oh. when a cow's born, well, I don't know what, I'm not comparing us to a cow, but when a cow's born, it's up on its feet and it can effectively fend for itself. Yeah. Eh? But our babies can't for quite a long period of time. So oh. And I think back again to Whare Kohanga that there was a time period that our wahine and babies stayed in that whare mm. before they came back into everyday life, before they came back into mm. the realities of And I think we've forgotten because, so there's some kōrero in my thesis around my name, who everyone says, oh, you know, birth's not a big thing for Māori women, they just do it and then they carry on, mm. right? But actually, if you go back further, there was a period of time when we were cared for in a particular way, where the responsibilities of everyday life weren't necessarily put on us. And so a lot of people have taken that, oh, you know, Māori women are awesome. They, can, they give birth and they just carry on. My nan, you know, there's stories of her being out in the Māra, she goes in and gives birth and then she carries on. Yeah, but actually, a so, lot yeah. those stories serve us very well because there's just an assumption, particularly in the kind of life that we live now, mm. that. You know, and I was thinking about poor Erica still working and her new baby. I <laughs> there's mm. this, this assumption that we just carry on. But actually, a lot of cultures around the world have a postpartum period mm. where wahine are cared for as well, if not better, than through the birthing process. Mm.
2: Tika tai wahine,
1: aye.
3: I'm keen on claiming that.
1: Just quickly, you know, on the Farekuhanga, you know, when they've said, itapu te wahine. I roto i te whare I think that's been misinterpreted. Mm. The tapu was on the restrictions, not because she's tapu, but aye. e tapu ana etahi me ki ae, hainahe mana. Aye, aye. Kia wātea ke te teaki te pepe, that's my whakaro. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. koira i tapu ai ko raui te a taua wāera. Yeah,
1: i yeah. mm-hmm. e mara mana tērā ki ae. Yeah. I know a
2: few, um some of my friends in that, they had a tikanga and I I can see the tikanga of the whare kohanga that the mama and Peppy would stay in one room for, um, you know, certain amount of weeks um days because of the one the control temperature and two yeah he mahi tapu well kotapu tapu wahira yeah kia wya wate a tapu, like, yeah, tapu yeah. yeah 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 no but it was restricted so that so that mama and peppy could do what they do at that time. Yeah. And the, it was the men that would serve on them and it was depending on your status and the fano. If you're the youngest boy your mahi was this. If you're the eldest male your mahi was this
4: mm.
2: you know and um the nannies would come and go. And they would sit and there's a special corner for Mama and Pepe. And not even the nannies could be there, but they would sit around. But you know, you so you know there, there there's there's small footprints everywhere, eh, where where these quarter have come alight. Mm. so yeah, ten not nā kōrero. So,
1: Hine, I would love to sit here for another hour. <laughs> yeah,
2: because I think we only went past the first chapter in the the quarter. Oh, I didn't even think
1: <laughs> about you. I, I, I didn't even way. know where I pulled those things yeah, from. Yeah. But it was like I was Maori. E uh, e and we'd love to have you back by the way, for maybe part two and then Erica will be here. Yep. Um hi hey hey Yeah. Yeah, I could
3: sit here and talk for hours. And actually it's been nice to re engage with my thesis because <laughs> it was written a, a number of years ago. Um and as I said, there's been heaps that has that's happened in this space since then, um, which is awesome to see. I wanna pick up just to finish on the um, footsteps. There's lots of little footprints, lots of little footsteps and you know, you know, the na Um <laughs> but actually that's where that's where my thesis ends, was with a new beginning, was with, this, with the story of Mahinarangi and and thinking about her footsteps and what that can teach us and what that can lead us into in terms of again old knowledge that we can re-engage with and understand for our own sense of well-being, for our own sense of purpose, all of the things that are left there. And so I again would come back to Fano and think about well what are the what are the footsteps that your to have left? Mm. Um, you know and, and how can you re-engage with those? Not not suggesting the, the physical ones always, but I think there is a lot that's sitting in our places that's sitting in our place names, that's sitting in our water, that's sitting in our water bodies, you mm. know, of thinking about things like puri and tohi and mm. all of those things that we, you know, we haven't even, even got to. So that's my thing is, um, you know, or is let's keep going back to that because I think we think we know it all mm. about one place. So we're like, oh yeah, that's home or that's this. But actually yeah. when we keep going back, for the kinds of challenges that our ancestors could never have dreamed of, COVID case in point, A, there will be tools. That's the beauty of our Pudako and our Mato, that there'll be tools and resources that we can go back to in those to pull forward um, as well. So I think that's real exciting. And and again, I just think it's important that we're all doing this work, that we're not leaving it to to mums and mums alone.
1: Tēnā and you know, at e the iwi, there was a little clue about right. what part two will be about. So um, yeah, whanau, if faakahou ki nei nga mehi kia koe, so here at Te Maua or tira atu Te Taringa kia koe, meo meo faa, meo kua, meo matoa tupo nei te me fa'atina nahi narata we tauiroto kia koe. No te te na koe te na e e whakahihiri nei, i e nei taonga, i e nei mātauranga uh, nga tatau, na o tātou mātua tūpuna, kia noho tonua ai roto i te ao mārama, uh, kia kau e noho i te pō. Hey. Noi rei mihi ana koe. Bye,
4: bye.
1: E he whaka nui i ngā kōrero, waeato o te wiki e ne hāngai ana ki te kōrero i putai mo te uka e pō, E te iwi, we have for you te waiata, nga tētehi o ngā ropu. Tetei. Tetei ropu. Tetei. Ai, ka hei e na ropu i mai ki te whakamahi waiata. te waiata te, te, te wiki, ono ono te kau, 660, kia
0: I just want to say
2: we we don't get any kickbacks for that. No. And uh, yeah, and in mahitona na kia kato, s te oti ra kia koe te fire hene wehi. Ah Yeah, moʻu fa kai mai kia fa kamahi, fa katei rangarana iten e wai tarungo nohi honga hana ko rungo nohi ake ai ni nei ko fa kamau di te.
1: Eh, hara eh, and I've, I've, I've seen I haven't been to any concerts. I mean, I think I'm not concert, a concert goer, so yeah. Nah, I need a VIP section like a proper Keo, one, you know, like my lounge. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, my days are gone, or jumping around. And yeah, I yeah. yeah. A Tala, of that, Tala, Tala. I won't say I've aged, to say I've matured. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wisdom, wisdom. Yeah, man. but Wis- man, it goes off, eh, hey, when, when that water comes on. Yeah, man. They, I think the first crowd they played to, you know, could be wrong, was not long after the release. And um, they played that way at the Mori um, Musical Awards. kahunguni. And I think they freaked out because everybody already knew the kūpuri. Yeah, yeah. And everybody was jamming, you know. And yeah, me and hoki kia ngā tūmanako. I've been on the stage with them. Oh, true. Like, it's been really cool. Mm. Like, etahi, you know, kau he mai, but mai haka pia, but... But cheesy, yes, I think. But no, but very. Yeah, nga I not I think that's just my own. you know. I get to Anna. yeah, I Keo Kū nei whakaro, inspired people Aye. to write and other bands. Yes, Keora. Yes, it encouraged whai, people. Taurira, and that whole that whole album actually waata Māori and mm. it was the first thing waata he fakakapīnga Keo tika Tikka, Tikka, kia to ukaipo. Yeah. Mm. Kia mau ki teu kai um, So tu te tu 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 o he netai iwa iwa. Kia okay, wai wai ki teu kai po. po. Kia ora. And um, yeah, e mihana ki ko te iwi kama te i te na kawaiho nga korelo takakapi. Ah, mm. uh, i roto i te i i o Kia ora. Yeah, because e noina korelo me huri
2: Kāre ka kore kapu te mai e te hiatu pāta te na pāta mai.
1: Yeah. Ki tama
2: farangi puka puka mata farangi puka mata. Ai, i mm.
1: me ngā, me ngā ki, nei, Ai, um, Doctor. Doctor, No you ain't like I say, but Doctor Naomi Simmons. And I see your middle name is Beth. <laughs> Ai, kia ora. Tēnā koe, koe anōi. Te, e te iwi. Tēnā
0: Fuck or mo kite tummy at the code mako my co flowing at the hook force Cope Papa relevant Copa out of bounds Cope Papa exigent Cope Papa paramount N cuna fuck up eating kite Go Papa Dino Fuka heater heat a focorum beat cuthi mai, o tarin I Hare hare might be gotta get the rope close everybody Get the rope close everybody Can it move their body Kanny can move their body
1: Taringa he tuku te o Aotearoa. a te To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe. Taringa, whakarongo mā.